Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Friday morning, JM in the AM. Yismach Moshe done by Leviathan. Here on a JM in the AM Friday era of Shabbos. Uh, let's see. Before that, uh, Schlockrock with Bittaher Libenu, Kolon Hashemad done by Yaakov Shweki, the Moshav band had Lachadodi. Me'ein Olam Haba from Sheves Chaveirim, Rabbi Baruch Chain and Company had Adon Olam. Mim Komo, that was the great Rav Shlomo Kalbach. Tfilot Shabbat Medley from Micha Gammerman, that's brand new. And Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this June 12th, the 20th of Sivan. Good morning, everybody. It's er- Erev Shabbos Parshas Baloscha. In Israel, it's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach. Candle lighting here at 8.07. 8.07, your official candle lighting time. On an error of Shabbos. By the way, Trucker Yitz is so, <laughs> he's so into this routine. <laughs> he posted during bonus jam. I know we didn't have a bonus jam today because uh, the Arab Shabbos show was on. But he posted uh, on the app, good Shabbos, New Zealand and Australia. Good is Erev for the rest of the world. So, yes, it's Erev Shabbos for the rest of us. It's Shabbos already in the New Zealand, Australia area of the world. He has been very into that recently. Talking about uh, <laughs> the different time zones and um, and all that stuff. Anyway, uh, <laughs> candlelighting at 8.07. 70 degrees, sunshine, a few clouds later and a high of 86. Partly cloudy tonight, low 61. Tomorrow, Shabbos, sunny and a high of 77. 77 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 70 here in New York City. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. Um, weekly update coming up, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We've got um, Rabbi Yudin, he'll be speaking on Parshas Bahaloscha. We have Harry Rothenberg in the 7 o'clock hour speaking on Parshas Bahaloscha. And even though it's Shlach in Israel, Rabbi Fass will join us next week when it's Shlach in Chutzlaretz. All right, that's how it works. Yeah, it's it's one of his lucky years where he gets to uh, <laughs> he gets to prepare way before for his shlach uh, speech here at JM in the AM by observing Parsha shlach in Israel over Shabbat. Anyway, that's how it works, and we'll be off of a Parsha with Israel for um, for another few weeks till the beginning of July. Um. So feel free to comment on the app. Feel free to support us in our 2020 fundraiser by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and I thank you for that. And I'm trying to think what else I wanted to tell everybody about. Um, full day, of course, on our incredible network, including the Arab Shabbos show, coming up again at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And... Uh, I don't know. We've got more stuff coming up, that's for sure. It's all happening on a Friday, Erev Shabbos, if you keep it here at JM in the AM. Yismach Moshe
children happy, help the children grow, give them every opportunity to know. The other day to a world of uncertainty so gray And I don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring Stories and the endless news Feeling helpless, yeah, I got the blues Things just seem to get worse day by day Then I see the blue skies And I begin to recognize This wonderful world that you created trees that praise you too and so now I sing to Open doors, but it seems to me there ain't no more. 
they just keep on closing in on me. But when I see the blue skies and I begin to recognize this wonderful world that you created, the birds that sing to you and the trees that praise you.
Treat her kind, old friend, treat her kind. Without her, where would you be now today? Everything God gives you is on account of her. And all she needs is kindness to make it through her day. Treat her kind. Yeah, as we uh, as we uh, go ahead and uh, make our Arab Shabbat calls, that's a uh, a great reminder about how we should be treating the uh, elderly in our lives. Shlomo Katz, Gershon Veroba from the S yes Legacy with Treater Kind. Ten Lanu Siman was Yonatan Sheinfeld. Batachti was David Lowy. Diaspora had Yismach Moshe. And this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world. The web and Alchemist Eagle.com and Alchemist Eagle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. News from Israel next. <laughs> יותרו מ-14 ביוני. במשאל טלפוני נקבע כי החל ביום ראשון הקרוב יתאפשר לקיים חתונות או אירועים לציון טקס דתי ובכלל זה בת ובר מצווה ואירוע לציון הולדת בת או בן. אירועים יתקיימו בכללים שכבר נקבעו בעבר, לפיהם האירוע יתקיים בשטח פתוח במקום המקיים אירועים לציבור שכאמור אינם טקסים דתיים, ומספר המשתתפים לא יעלה על המותר בהתאם לאיסור התקהלות 50 איש נכון להיום. איחוד האמירויות במסר ישיר לישראל, הסיפוח יפגע בקשרים עם מדינות ערביות. שגריר איחוד האמירויות בארצות הברית, יוסף אלוטייבה, פנה לאזרחי ישראל בסרטון בטוויטר והבהיר, המגמה החיובית ביחסים בסכנה. All the progress that you've seen 
and the attitudes that have been changing towards Israel, people becoming more accepting of Israel and less hostile to Israel, all of that could be undermined by one simple step. I wanted to make sure people understood the risks associated with decision beyond the immediate you know, consequences of what happens on the Israeli-Palestinian track. ההתקדמות בהידברות בין המדינות והגישה הכללית שמשתנה כלפי ישראל יותר קבלה ופחות עוינות, הכל יכול להיהרס על ידי צעד אחד. רציתי לוודא שאנשים מבינים את הסיכונים שמתלווים להחלטות מעבר להשלכות המיידיות במישור הישראלי-פלסטיני. את הדברים אמר לראשונה אלוטייבה במאמר שפורסם הבוקר בידיעות אחרונות. כלכלת בריטניה רשמה התכווצות חסרת תקדים של 20% וארבע עשיריות האחוז בחודש אפריל בעקבות משבר הקורונה, כך לפי לשכת הסטטיסטיקה הלאומית שפרסמה נתונים בנושא. מדובר בירידה החודשית החדה אי פעם והיא גדולה פי שלושה מזו שנרשמה במהלך המיתון הכלכלי של 2008. סגן ראש הלשכה הלאומית לסטטיסטיקה מסר, למעשה כל התחומים הכלכליים נפגעו בהובלת הברים, מוסדות ההשכלה, הבריאות ומכירות הרכב שתרמו לצניחה ההיסטורית. מנהלת הליגה בכדורסל הוציאה היטל של 30 אלף שקלים למכבי תל אביב על הפרת הבידוד של אמרס טודומייר. המנהלת קוראת לקבוצות להנחות את השחקנים לשמור על נוהלי הבידוד למרות הקשיים, ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו אורן פדידה. התחזית נאה מחר שבת צפויה עלייה ניכרת בטמפרטורות שתהיינה גבוהות מהרגיל העונה. כמו כן מאיגוד ערים כנרת נמסר כי החופים צינברי, לבנון וגופרה נסגרו עקב עומס מבקרים. כתבנו גיא ורון מוסר שהציבור מתבקש לפנות לחופים אחרים אלה החדשות.
The rabbi's son's opening up the 7 o'clock hour. Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos, Parsha's Baloscha, Parsha's Tashlach in Israel. Candle lighting at 8.07. Hello, everybody. Don't forget to sign up for your minyanim if you're uh, planning on uh, being at a minyan and if your synagogue requires you to sign up and pre-register. Yeah, I never thought. In 35 years, I've never made an announcement like that. Pre-register for a Shabbos minyan. Wow. That is pretty amazing. Uh, anyway, keep that in mind. Uh, Friday mornings at around this time, we get an opportunity to hear Harry Rothenberg with the um, uh, with uh, his words about the uh, Torah portion. In this case, of course, uh, Parshas Bahaloscha. Harry Rothenberg, Parshas Bahaloscha, and JM in the AM. The Jews have completed their first year of wandering in the Midbar, in the wilderness. And it's time to celebrate the Passover holiday, Pesach, for the first time since they left Egypt. God commands them to again bring the carbon Pesach, the Paschal Lamb, the Passover sacrifice. But a group of men are not able to bring it because they're Tomei. For want of a better definition, they're impure as a result of having come into contact with a dead body. They beg Moses, Moshe, for another chance. Can't we bring the carbon Pesach? Moshe says to them, wait right here, let me find out. And amazingly, as he does a number of times in the Torah, He's got God on demand. He requests an audience, asks God, and God says to him, yes, give them a second chance. In 30 days, let them bring the carbon Pesach, Pesach Sheni, the second carbon Pesach for those who weren't able to bring it the first time around. Let them bring the lamb as a sacrifice, eat it along with matzah and mara, the bitter herbs. So the first question is, why in 30 days? Why didn't God just say to Moshe, Sure, let them purify themselves, and as soon as they're purified, they can bring the sacrifice, they get a second chance. The answer to that, explain the commentators, is that in certain years, we add an additional month to the Jewish calendar, in leap years. When we do that, Passover, Pesach, gets pushed off a month, which means 30 days from Passover is a day that always has the latent potential to be the actual Passover holiday. That's why that date was chosen. But there's a bigger question. Why is this the only redo in the entire Torah? If you don't have the chance to shake the lulav on Sukkot or blow or hear the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, you don't have a Rosh Hashanah Shani or a Sukkot Shani, you don't get a second chance. There's only a Pesach Shani. The answer to that explains one of the commentators is that the Passover sacrifice is critical to our amuna, to our belief system. That's when we became a nation. We took a risk. We took and sacrificed animals that were worshipped by the Egyptians, showing our loyalty to God. And we have to remember every day that God took us out of Egypt so that we'd no longer be slaves to a foreign nation, and instead we could be free, free to serve Him. And maybe that's why the Passover Seder, which is meant to remember and reenact the Passover sacrifice, is the ritual that's most commonly observed by Jews today, observant and non-observant because it's so important to our belief system. And maybe there's one more lesson. Mitzrayim, the Hebrew word for Egypt, means to constrict. Maybe we're meant to remind ourselves and think about how to break through the things that constrict us, that prevent us from reaching our spiritual potential. If we're honest with ourselves, we know what those things are. It could be our boss, our job, our significant other, could be our kids, could be our friends, could be our community, could be our hobbies, could be our addictions, could be our phone or other devices. It could be the fact that we're setting our goals too low 
We're setting our goal at be a good couch potato instead of be a passionate servant of God and the ambassador of his goodwill. During the coronavirus, hopefully we've all taken on certain resolutions to do certain things that we should be doing, to stop doing certain things that we shouldn't be doing. But if all we've done is take on resolutions, then when we come out of this, hopefully soon, we'll be the same people who've just taken on some resolutions. We need to do more. As good as those resolutions are, and good luck with them, we need to work on ourselves. And that takes time. We've had time, and we will have more time to try to work on being better, better servants, more passionate servants of God. Good luck on that journey. I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? I stepped off the bus in Mobile, Alabama. The sun was slowly setting on the bay. Six o'clock on a summer Friday afternoon. Shabbos was an hour away. I walked around the town wondering what to do. Shabbos is no time to be feeling blue.
about it every now and then Cause the place is still dear And when I make this trip through Mobile once every year I remember the man who prayed here Now the minion is gone, a few died, some moved on But the back of the store still remembers the song The nine men who waited How Shabbos was carried on a song. Whoa, I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a million around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? Oh, won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? Please, won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? You mean I need you, I need you.
JM in the AM. Friday morning with Eitan Katz, Lachado D, and Peiro. Imena Nili Mili done by Shlaimi Gertner. Uh, Minion Man, that was Schlockrock, of course. JM the AM Friday on this era of Shabbos. Baaloscha here. Schlach in Israel. Candle lighting at 8.07 here. And thanks so much for tuning in. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us. The weekly update is coming up. Some of the issues that uh, Malcolm questioned whether uh, it was his place to comment on them last week. Uh, boy, now he, um, I don't think, has a choice but to comment on them. We'll discuss uh, as many issues of the day as we can get to coming up here at JM in the AM. 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the uh, weekly update. Yeah. Things are getting interesting, that's for sure. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, 70 degrees, sunshine, a few uh, afternoon clouds, and a high of 86. Beautiful day tomorrow in this area. Uh, thanks, to all the, uh, thanks to those of you who are supporting our 2020 fundraiser. That's how this show exists. It's how this network exists. And now more than ever, because there are so many limited ways that we can bring in income to this network, frankly, uh, we need you to respond and be as generous as possible. So please go to fjbunity.org fjbunity.org. Be as generous as you can in helping us continue here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Again, that's fjbunity.org. If you want to just send in a contribution, you can do that as well. It's uh, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. Um, 551 Grand Street, Suite 3, New York City, 1002. Again, that's Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, 551 Grand Street, Suite 3, New York City, 1002. All right. And that would be a very effective way to uh, to get us your donation, and it's much appreciated, to say the least. want to remind you that our friends at Artscroll have a uh, 25% off sale across the board, literally across the board. Um. It could be an older publication, a very recent publication. It could be a book. It could be a cookbook. It could be a safer. It could be a set of svarim. 25% off between now and the end of June if you go to artscroll.com. Artscroll.com or if you visit your retailer. 25% off as well. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage in Delhi is the world's best. And there are many dads and grads that are anxiously awaiting their delivery of a gift box from A&H. Go to kosherdogs.net, kosherdogs.net. Take a 10% discount when you use promo code radio. Kosherdogs.net, 10% with promo code radio. This is JM in the AM. Mitzvah <laughs> 
Simcha Liner from the Live in Odessa album with Mim Komcha. Erev Shabbos, JM and the AM, Friday morning. Thanks for joining us. Weekly update coming up. Don't forget that our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, they're an amazing resource. You can print out thousands of articles before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world. And, and by the way, you could read it even when it's not Shabbos. Even when you don't have printed articles in front of you and it's not Shabbos, you can go to the website and enjoy a whole bunch of great content. I like the cartoon section, frankly. Political cartoons and the atmosphere we're in right now are... Uh, are very funny or sometimes very irritating, and you can find a lot of them there. Anyway, jewishworldreview.com, check it out and enjoy. And I remind everybody that we are in the midst of our fundraiser here, our 2020 fundraiser. If you have not yet contributed, please go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Keep us going. All we want to do after 35 years is keep on going, and uh, please, God, we should have the the health and the stamina to do this uh, every single morning and every single day for as long as possible. As I keep saying, God, Bliyayin Hara, has been very kind to us in this COVID situation with good health and the strength to keep on going. So now we ask you to keep us going. Uh, FJBunity.org, FJBunity.org. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Always a pleasure to be with you. Interesting times we are living in. As the Chinese curse goes, it's being overdone. Yeah, that's for sure. Way over the top. A little bit more boring. Way, way over the top. Um, and who thought that this issue would really come close to home for you and many in the in the Jewish leadership world? Uh, do you think the Zionist Organization of America will survive the calls for it to be ousted from the Conference of Presidents? Well, it's a decision that the organizations will make. I don't think anybody's moving to oust anybody at the time. There's uh, efforts by ZOA against some of the organiza- other organizations and other organizations back to them. I think everybody should be careful with what they say. I think it's a time when we need unity, when people should be coming together. And uh, wise people are careful with what they say publicly and privately. It's a very sensitive and, and tense time. And it's not a time when we can afford the luxury of divisiveness between Jews. We have to stand together. We have so many external challenges that the internal challenges are a luxury we can't afford. You know, it's interesting you say that about watching our words, because in all, in all seriousness, um, it, to many people, we were just discussing this in my house last night, to, to many people, the attitude is the best thing in this atmosphere, when it's such a hotbed, the atmosphere is to keep your mouth shut because there's really, you know, nothing productive to be said. But then there are times, especially when you're in leadership positions, when people demand that you say something. And it's a it's a conflict that's really hard to to come out of sometimes. Well, sometimes it is a judgment call that's correct. And you got to use Seichel, not only what you that you say something, but what you say and more importantly, how you say it that you can say the same thing in two different ways. One, and, and sometimes it's just uh, you know, misunderstanding. It could be something that somebody says intending it to mean one thing, but interpreted in another way. You know, that some words can have dual meanings where people manipulate uh, what they want today to, to um, and, and you create all sorts of fictions. You know, this whole thing about starting to focus on that Israeli police have trained yeah. uh, Minneapolis police, which was not true. That was something. And, but that the National uh, law, Black Law Enforcement Enforcement Association came out and said, we support the training in Israel. It saved our lives. It gave us in its counterterrorism training. And uh, the, the, But the fact is that people can just make up something today, 
given the, the especially the Internet, it spreads around the world instantly. It gets credibility instantly. You can't keep on top of it virtually because it's so it's so hard to, to keep up. And when you can have – I saw at one, I think, Facebook or somebody said they closed 130,000 Chinese spots, um, you know, websites and et cetera, where – where they were promoting issues from the elect, interfering in the election or to the COVID and other things. You know, we, we live in a different era, and, and people don't understand when they're being manipulated or when information is valid or not. How many emails have you gotten or messages that then, you know, within hours somebody has to revoke to try to revoke the message or mm-hmm. rescind it because it was not true, though it was credible but not true? I hope the youth uh, in our community who are more used to this life, where they know that if they post something or say something, how viral it can go and how it could affect you forever, I hope everyone, they and others, are smart enough to, to be careful with their words. And by the way, one other point, Malcolm, and you know, who, who knows modern Jewish history and who has lived it the way you have, um, so I think it's so important that we mention this. Someone from Seattle, I heard, I heard a quote from someone in our community in Seattle basically saying, well, this whole thing that's going on, uh, in downtown Seattle doesn't really affect us. It just affects the fact that I can't go shopping, you know, in a store I like to go to. And I said, what? You know, number one, they say that the 911 service is now three times, uh, it takes three times as long to get a fire truck or a police car to your home if there's an emergency because of what's going on in Seattle. That's number one. And number two, Malcolm, you're the first one to remind us that when they're looking for a scapegoat or they're looking to attack a suburb or a place uh, where they think there has been, you know, unfairness, the Jewish community is always a great scapegoat. So for anyone in our community anywhere going through all these situations and the violence to think that we're unaffected, that is uh, that that's a foolish way of portraying it. I think that there are people, and as you know, on the show, I warned a month ago, more, six, six weeks ago, that this would occur, that there would be the social eruptions that there was this dangerous cocktail with the uh, people being at home for uh, months uh, cooped up, that the the um, unemployment, the threat that their jobs won't be there, the economic dis- and social dislocation would lead to an eruption. It was inevitable. It, all the conditions were there, and it just took some trigger to set it off. And if it wasn't in Minneapolis, it probably would have been someplace else. And it doesn't mean there aren't injustices, and it doesn't mean that there aren't things that should be addressed. But the amount of destruction, the the things that are going on around the country, uh, I know that the number of people applying or expressing interest in in buying property in Israel has soared, or and people contemplating Aliyah has increased greatly. Um, it's not the option, perhaps, for for many, and we have to think about what our elected officials say, who you vote for, that you vote that you make your voice heard, that if they're not allowing summer camps to open, you make your voice heard. The problem is that they don't hear from people. When you think about the needs of special education, people, kids uh, need special education and have been home now for three months, that what the, the, the toll it takes on the families and that they don't open up those institutions. It isn't just the things that we see on the surface. There are so many ramifications. Yeah. And the cost of covid has yet to be taken. We don't we, the trillions of dollars that have been spent, the uh, the resources. We don't know which organizations are going to emerge out of this. We don't know how many schools will not open, or schools will not open, or others, and the tolls that have to, that uh, it will yet take. Uh, we don't know what the story will be. Russia Hashanah. We don't know when schools will be able to open. 
there's so many factors. So number one, the first thing we need is achdut within our community. Number two, we need awareness and assertiveness on the part of our community to protect the needs and interests, both within our communities, but you can't live in isolation. So we have to see to it in general that the things are done that, that will cause us harm and, and damage. And, and, and the, the society as a whole as well. People can't be indifferent to this and, and just, you know, they spend their days emailing, and I know nobody knows what day of the week it is, and I know people don't know what week of the month it is, but we can, we cannot lose sight of where we are and what the immediate issues are. And we have a whole international agenda, Nahum, that people have not focused on. People are not reading papers or, or they listen, hopefully, to this. But if we look at what Iran has been doing, you know that there's a... I can't breathe. Cartoon contest in Tehran now. Wow. That, that they have 72 entries from 27 countries. It's being it's on display. It used to be uh, against Israel, so they have that anyway. But this is now the second round, and it attacks, of course, the United States, but Israel uh, as well. We have to fight over maintaining the arms embargo against Iran and Russia this week coming out. How many people know that they're not? allowing the U.S. and be going to veto in the U.N. the renewal of sanctions along with China, and some of the Europeans don't want to go along with it, and and the fact that the, um, uh, you know, that they put up again a smock U.S. aircraft carrier, which they're going to bomb with 16 fake planes on it, something they did, if you remember, we talked about years ago already. So we look at that. You look at the demonstrations in Syria. We see the arrests in Turkey and the unrest. You see what's happening in international criminal court against right. the United States. Okay, we got Israel. it. We're going to get though. I think we're going to get I mean, though. I'm just saying yeah, that I know. people are such why, an array, and this is just off the top of my head. That's why, that's why all these things are on my list. But I just want to – I, I got to say one other thing because I, I, I'm just – I've been dealing with the reaction to our discussion last week on this matter, and I just – we got to – I thought you handled it really well, whether it's your issue or not. I thought you hand as a Jewish leader. I thought you handled it really well. You said to us, if I'm paraphrasing properly, that that you know, obviously, Black Lives Matter is a a slogan that everybody agrees with. But at the, at the same time, there is an organization that utilizes that name. And I think what you told us was, and again, I'm trying to satisfy those who are in touch with us. I have messages that 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 uh, that claim this was unclear. I thought it was very clear. I think you told us. When before you take photos with and march with and stand with and make statements with people who are who are parts of different uh, protest groups, make sure you know their background. Make sure you know how they stand vis-a-vis the human rights of others, including Israelis, uh, on this globe. And 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 I think that you said that you know very well last week. I just need you to reiterate it because I, I it got a reaction where people seem unclear about it. I thought I was very clear. Yeah, about that's it. what I thought. And I still stand by that, that you don't make common cause with everybody, even if the cause is good. That means that you can still express yourself and, and, and do it as vehemently and as strongly as you, as you feel you should. But you don't just make common cause and give legitimacy to people um, because of the uh, who, who then turn and use that position against us. Why did Assad fire the prime minister of Syria? Because the internal situation is collapsing, the the um, there are demonstrations going on in various uh, cities in uh, Sueda. It's now spread to Dara and to Idlib, and uh, Sueda, which is largely a uh, Kurdish area, uh, they actually called for Assad's removal. Ooh. 
on record dancing in the streets, you know, making videos about uh, calling for Assad's removal. He's also in a vicious fight with his cousin, Mahluf, who controls most of the economy. And um, uh, so the internal situation has deteriorated, and he uh, and these demonstrations are, are, are really about the economic conditions, because in Syria itself, the, when the fighting started, it was 47 pounds to the dollar. At the beginning of this year, it was 1,000 pounds to the dollar. Now it's 3,000 Syrian pounds to the dollar. And the, the unemployment is probably 80%. The, the unrest and the people are hungry. People are, are in terrible conditions there. So, the, so there, there's uh, uprisings and demonstrations, and there's, there's no real effort to rein in and, and try to improve the economy. We don't see any steps being taken, uh, and therefore he, the easiest thing you do is you fire the prime minister and blame him. This is the first time when we see actual manifestations naming Assad and calling for his removal. Wow. Uh, the economic collapse of Lebanon and Syria are related and linked, or basically everybody in the area is suffering? Both. They are linked, you're right, and because the Lebanon was the bank for Syria, mm. and it was linked, and now the Lebanese economy has totally collapsed as well, and there's a lot of anger at Hezbollah, and they think that Hezbollah is causing a lot of the damage uh, to them. Hezbollah has retrenched some of its activities in Lebanon because of financial strains, but they're still operative, and Iran still pours money, which is why the arms embargo in Iran is so important, so they not resupply uh, as easily as they have in the past. Um, but the yes, the Lebanon it's it's related in the sense that the you know the dollars used to come from Lebanon to Syria now there's no dollars to be gotten. And those protests in the street are also to remove the leadership of Lebanon, or for a different reason? Oh no, they are. And you see the split between Aoun, former Christian militia leader, very pro-Israel, turned anti-Israel because he lined up with Hezbollah, who made sure he got elected president. Now he has broken with them. And uh, the internal splits are, are great, both within Hezbollah there are some challenges, but more the people of Lebanon, the, the Sunni population. And there have been demonstrations where they march in the street and yell, Shia, 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 meaning Shiite. Right. And, um, uh, yeah, so it's it's very complex situation in Lebanon all the time, but now it's it's um, – it's it's really collapsing. Even with the uh, the arrest and uh, sentencing that you alluded to of the U.S. consulate employee, um, uh, the New York Times at least says that the relationship between Donald Trump and Erdogan has never been better. Is that how you would classify it? It's hard to tell. As you know, I, I know Erdogan, and I follow this. Uh, Turkey is a very serious matter for us. You know, they're expanding their their footprint in Jerusalem all the time. He is pouring money in. He set up a new Muslim Brotherhood Center near the Kotel. He has his own internal problems. He just arrested this past week about 275 people, military uh, leaders, Air Force officials, and others, still claiming that it's related to the to the coup when he he arrested uh, I don't know four or five hundred of the of the pilots and and about a thousand people there uh, from the military and eighty thousand people are still awaiting trial in in uh, Turkey from the charges that were. Uh, brought to bear because of uh, of that, and about 150,000 military, civil servants, and others were fired, or or suspended uh, at the time, and still uh, as well. So uh, Turkey has its own internal problems, its economic 
the strains on its economy, but that doesn't restrain him from his ongoing foreign adventures. He's very active in Libya, where he's contesting with Russia. They're backing opposite sides, and right now the Turkish side is, is gaining ascendancy, and they drove Haftar out of Tripoli. That's the um, opposition forces, and Turkey backs the government-backed forces. Uh, but it's, it's still a civil war going on, and it's still a very uh, complex situation. But Turkey, uh, Turkey's adventurism in Syria, in uh, in Libya, and other places is is increasing despite the economic conditions that they face. So is it that when uh, leaders around the world get more out of control, that's when the president of the United States establishes a better relationship with them? <laughs> Well, sometimes it's a better relationship can be because they have a common enemy, you know, the enemy of my enemy, right. or because he sees opportunities um, that might be. But this is a, a, such a repressive regime at home, and it is an increasingly Islamist, uh, aggressive Islamist uh, advocate and, and building 17,000 mosques around the world, spreading the Muslim Brotherhood message. He has become more and more extreme himself, and... Um, you know, the president, I think, should be careful, and I'm sure many of his advisors are warning him, because other presidents fell into the trap. Erdogan can be very enticing and, and charming when he wants, and um, and it's too easy to fall fall into that trap. Uh, president Obama used to spoke to him more than any other foreign leader in the right. first year or two of his presidency. Uh, there are common interests. Turkey, you know, is an important country, a member of NATO, a huge uh, country. Uh, maybe they, he sees him as an ally in Syria against the Russians or the Iranian uh, dominance. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Support us, everybody. I'm saying it as clearly as I can during these times. Uh, we need your support now more than ever, just like you need this show now more than ever, as we've been discussing uh, since the start of COVID. Uh, and 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 just looking at the uh, and looking at the number of uh, people, the thousands who are logged into this conversation, I could tell you that it's obvious that you feel that way that you need this program. So I'm begging you, and I don't use that term lightly or or every or very often. Uh, support us at fjbunity.org at fjbunity.org. Uh, well, the uh, annexation issue. I know we get closer to July 1st. I know that the Israeli court has. Um, uh, has the Supreme Court overwhelmingly rejected a 2017 law that would have allowed for the retroactive legalization of thousands of Jewish homes built on occupied West Bank land, um, privately owned by Palestinians, a law so provocative that few believed when it was passed that it would survive judicial review. I don't know what that, if, if that in fact has an effect on this annexation possibility. I think what's most frustrating, Malcolm, as an observer of the news, is that Israel has gone through uh, you know, the Golan Heights uh, situation, the Jerusalem embassy move, etc. A lot of things guided by the U.S. administration, obviously. And it seemed, certainly in hindsight, but even going into it, it seemed it was no big deal to, to, to observers around the world. Now we see the reaction of Germany this week, the PA's reaction this week. Uh, it, it, we know the, the dissension among Israelis, many of them, not, including some right-wingers, not wanting this annexation the way it's being proposed right now to go through. So what can you tell us in terms of an update on that? So they haven't even finished the mapping process. So a lot of this is speculation on part of people about what it will actually mean. It could be a phased-in 
process, meaning it doesn't have to be all at once. There are various elements. You have the uh, Maladumim and uh, the Gush. You have the, the Jordan Valley. Um, you have the settlement blocks. It's not clear to me, and, 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 and I've talked to the people who are on all sides of this issue, and as you said, there are various views. There are people who are critical because it gives too much. There are people right. who believe that it's, um, it, it gives too little. There, there is, um, there's a whole range of view. Right now, I think the critical factor here is what General Gans says. I know I, my sense is the administration wants him on board for this, and uh, he has yet to come out with a final position of support or not. But generally, he and the Foreign Minister Ashkenazi, General Ashkenazi, are, have indicated uh, support. There were preliminary discussions, certainly, when they had the negotiations as they formed the coalition. Uh, July 1st, the Prime Minister keeps saying will be a, a, a deadline for doing whatever it is that they're going to do. But they can't dismiss uh, totally what their world reaction. You can't let others dictate what you're going to do, but you can't be uh, uh, blind to it because there could be a lot of implications, uh, you know, things that people generally don't think about. And, it, again, it's not what should determine people. Countries have to determine based on their long-term interests, but they also have to think about the short-term impact. So, for instance, Horizon 2020, which is this huge a billion-dollar deal for Israel for research and development and supporting a lot of the scientific things and high-tech development, high-tech developments that are going on in Israel, which comes from the European Union and could well be suspended. I don't think countries are going to break diplomatic relations as they threaten. I don't think it's the PA's reaction. They should be held to account for the fact that they won't negotiate and that they are uh, the reason why all of these things have to be taken, because they won't do what they have to, to do. But I see now the emergence of ideas of a partial annexation of, uh, um, you know, spreading out over time, of, of taking, um, you know, annexing justice settlements. Uh, and, of course, all of this has to be done in concert uh, with the United States. So the, there are um, – this is it, obviously the peace plan is the most maximal plan – that was ever offered to Israel and allows annexation of 30% of West Bank. But they don't say that it doubles the area that the PA has, and they could start with some of the blocks. So I'm saying there are a lot of options that are available. People shouldn't jump to conclusions. I think debate is healthy. People can you know, understand what are the concerns, how this plays out diplomatically and physically for people uh, on the ground and uh, in the long run. When, uh, so we're at an early stage. When people so, are demanding that Gantz save Bibi, uh, do they mean he should save him by coming out against the plan or should save him by coming out for the plan? Yeah, that's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that one, but yes, it's a good one. Uh, also, uh, the, the PA says it'll cut the salaries of tens of thousands of his own clerks and police officers, will slash vital funding to the impoverished Gaza Strip, and a few other things. What you're pointing out regarding that move is that they this is a perfect opportunity for them to not take responsibility that they're really responsible for. Yeah, absolutely. And they try to shift the onus and uh, threatening, you know, they've already, they did sever a lot of the cooperation. And that means also that they're denying their people the, the health. You know, I think 2,000 2, or 2,500 people go from Gaza every month to Israeli and West Bank hospitals. They, they refuse the UAE uh, shipment of uh, goods and, and medical supplies and other things that were flown from Abu Dhabi to, to Israel, this time with Etihad, the airline's name on it, not painted over, not whited out, with the flag of, of the UAE on it. Um, 
that the uh, I mean, and the PA is engaged in in so many things, you know, including, by the way, and we should not miss this this week. There was a very important press conference by Secretary Esper, the Secretary of Defense, uh, Pompeo, Secretary of State, and uh, Barr, the Attorney General, all about the ICC and its implications, which was about the United States and Israel. But the PA is still doing its mischief behind uh, the scenes on that, and the. Um, and, you know, the rejectionist front, and Israel now is going to withhold tax money um, from what it collects to pay for fa- Palestinians who were subjected to torture oh. because they were accused of working with Israel. Things that people don't see day to day, all the different things that, that um, are involved in the intricacy of the relationship. Wow. Did you see Israel's uh, shipping wheelchairs to Ecuador? Yes, I did know that they are shipping uh, wheelchairs to Ecuador, and Israel does a lot of things I know, for a lot unbelievable. of people. I, mean, I say it like that only because, you know, uh, t- take any obscure country, not that the Ecuadorians are going to be happy with now that I called their country obscure, uh, but Israel's on the forefront of helping them out. They need wheelchairs because of COVID-19 patients who are in the midst of recovery, right. and then they and Israel makes sure to ship them over there, a story you're not going to find anywhere else, that I can guarantee you. Um by the way, you know what? The, all the stuff we're reading about from the International Atomic Energy Agency, you know where the, what that information is still? It's still from what Israel took from the archives in Iran. Mm-hmm. And, that they, and that's what's guiding the new charges against Iran, which is blocking access to these sites and is enriching and violating every part of the JCPOA. And where are the Russians? Where are all these countries lining up against on the side of Iran against sanctions against the United States, which is taking the lead on this, and, of course, Israel supporting them on it. Not surprising. President of the United Nations General Assembly said world leaders will not be visiting New York for the annual gathering in late September. I don't know. I think that's sort of a good thing. What do you Yay. think about that? <laughs> yes, right. Uh, because, first of all, we're not going to lose a week of our lives and not being able to get in, and my office is near there, so it's hard. It is regrettable in the sense that that's an opportunity for us. Usually we meet 30, sometimes even more, foreign minister, heads of state, prime ministers who come, and they uh, meet with you know delegations or individuals in the Jewish community, and we have a chance to put forward our issues. And in that sense, it's it's you know it's very efficient because we don't have to travel except down walk down the block to be able to meet with them while they're here, and um, this uh, won't that won't happen this year. Um, uh, the ISIS attacks that have surged in Iraq uh, is that going to is that news going to play a role in terms of how many U.S. troops the United States uh, uh, will decide to keep there? Well, it, it works against keeping U.S. troops there because they have targeted U.S. bases, and there have been about 30 attacks against uh, U.S. troops. Uh, you know, Iran is is um, playing a very critical role there in this and encouraging some of the violence against the, the presence of the U.S. troops. They want them out. Um, the presence there is important. You know, members of Congress now are, are looking at this and um, looking at withdrawal of of uh, U.S. troops. There's a very comprehensive Republican study group program coming up about sanctions uh, dealing with Iran, and that includes the situation in Iraq, certainly, and in Syria. We know that in Syria they are expanding, Iran is expanding its its footprint, uh, working with the militias, working with the in Darin, or near the Golan Heights uh, elsewhere. Um, but Iraq is a critical part, and if the if the United States pulls out, suffers all the ties, it, it will, I think, diminish our, our ability. But at the same time, we don't want troops to be sit, sitting ducks. We want the Iraqis to take control. 
uh, of their lives and of the security situation. No question about that. Uh, coronavirus update in Israel was a it was a difficult week, right? Numbers are going up. Going up, um, more cases in the last uh, seventy two hours than I think they had in since this uh, crisis broke out. Malcolm, I'm going to ask you a question, and I think everybody in this audience wants to ask you a variation of the same question. Uh, knowing that the Jacob family, who are the, uh, uh, the the chair people of the Jewish Unity Initiative, are making a wedding in Jerusalem on the 4th of August, and knowing that the Siegel family is making a wedding in Jerusalem on the 10th of August, should I prepare myself that I likely will not be able to be at these events? Uh, I, I don't like to make predictions. I'm, I'm still hopeful that I will be able to make some of those events, but the... Um, the, the situation is very fluid. Nobody knows. You see, El Al has postponed and postponed when they could open flights, right. when restrictions will be. If this upsurge continues, it will it will limit foreigners coming. As you know, that 70% of the cases in Israel, they say, were traced to Americans, American sources. Um, I think that the, you know, we don't know when the offices will really open, I think, most places are not counting on it before Labor Day. And I know of events that have been canceled now going into next February wow. and March, including the APAC annual gathering when right. 18,000 people come. So being able to plan ahead, and I've gotten many calls about this. Um, Has the Conference of Presidents made a decision yet about February 2021? That's exactly one of the subjects that we are we are looking at, about whether it will be feasible or how. We have a little bit more leeway because it's a much smaller group than the, right. in the, what APAC faces, and people are looking for all sorts of excuses. It was just a practical decision because you have to go to the convention center. You have to invest millions of dollars. You couldn't do that, and the and the hotels can't give assurances. Right. Just to make it clear, I mean, the conference is an Israel issue because of the travel there. APAC's an American issue because it's usually in Washington. Just to... Yeah, but people have to travel here. Right, and, from Israel. And, Good point. And people come from Israel, right. and whether people will come to a – you know, an enclosed environment like this. And and I'm just saying it's one of many right. that I know that through already twenty the beginning of twenty twenty one are being canceled because people just don't know when all of these restrictions will be lifted. Wow. Unbelievable. To think that it can go that far. And think and of by, the economic impact. Think of all yeah. the other and people should remember and I do this every week. You gotta keep wearing the mask. We see that it's a protection. We see when there are social gatherings and we have Mignonim now, thank God, and we have conditions people should not be lax about it well now you see the upsurge i was in your neighborhood this week for about five minutes and immediately <laughs> immediately they got into a fight with a resident who was not wearing a mask and it's like i mean I, the area you're living in i want to tell you just from casual observation the night i was there for you know for an hour driving around uh, a lot of people are not taking the mask thing seriously at all and, well, and, well, I do. I see the people walking. It's very mixed. Young people think that they're immune. And, and then people, when I raise it with them, they say, well, no, I have antibodies. I said, yes, but I don't. Right. And the point of wearing a mask is not to protect you. It's to protect everybody else from you. And right. even if you've had it, it doesn't mean you can't spread it. And I think that the, the selfishness and the, you know, inconsideration of people who, who boldly walk, but, you know, prance around because they said, no, I have high antibodies. Well, very nice. Donate them. We should use them for to cure other people but consider other people's uh, health as well mm -hmm. this is and you know and we we still the, the toll is so great and and people still falling ill to it i mean it's not hasn't ended thank god it's greatly diminished and we want it to stay that way yeah our neighborhood was uh 
terribly affected by a tragedy this week of um, one of the mothers, grandmothers in our community who passed away. And uh, people are still, obviously, still reeling from it. People who think this thing is over, you are fooling yourselves. Is the international war on terror over? Because I was reading that because there's this impression that it is, it will make uh, it more difficult for Israel to keep an iron fist on terrorist groups. The war on terror is certainly not over. I mean, we see it around the world, and we don't even have time anymore to be able to review all the places where where terrorism and and um, um, the, the violence is continuing. Iran's activities around the world, China, others are, are engaged in subversive activities. Uh, will it make it harder for Israel? It's harder for Israel to get the attention and to get to, to be seen because it's, the threat is not immediate that they have done a great job controlling uh, the terrorism. Uh, that's one of the concerns about uh, if Israel moves ahead on ex- on extending sovereignty or whatever that y- you could face again an uprising and the, the fact that the coordination with the PA is diminished, uh, even if it's not disappeared altogether, but it's certainly diminished in, in even including in the security areas. Uh, these things, you know, and people who will exploit it to increase terrorism and who've wanted all along to do it. But that Israel and its cooperation with PA uh, security forces, because it served the PA's purposes, were able to, to dampen it down. And God willing, that will continue. But terrorism around the world is continuing, and they're taking advantage of the attention on COVID and now, of course, on Black Lives Matter and other eruptions, you know, they to beat up the U.S., to attack, to focus. But we have these demonstrations and violence all over the world. Yeah, no question about it. Tell me about the... Uh uh, the balloon units that have been making threats to communities that live near the Gaza Strip. Well, that's been ongoing for for a while, and the you know they have drones, they have others, but now the balloons are particularly uh, um, dangerous because they land in kindergartens and houses. Kids go over, they look at them, you know they they um, and they explode. They have explosive devices. This has been going on for for a long time. And, uh, you know, they, they take advantage of the wind, and it sometimes blows it back and then explodes there. But, the, the you know, they're, they're inventive. They come up with new tactics. And because they know the world won't take it seriously when you say to somebody, oh, they, they attacked with balloons, and the world, you know, says, so that's no reason for you to strike back. Yes, it is. These are very dangerous, and they kill, and they set fires and do immense amount of damage. The reason, by the way, just to make it clear that there's this uh, analysis of the war on terror being over is because of the uh, situation now in Afghanistan compared to how it's been over the last 20 years or so. Uh, and that's the impression that... Uh, yeah, that but we don't have peace there. The talks uh, can't have a hard time getting underway. And the, the impression of the United States pulling out of these places, of any place, and abandoning it in the international community, not taking uh, responsibility... Is, is of concern to military people and people on the ground. By the way, on the topic of uh, responding properly to different things, and you've given me an idea, maybe we should ask 10,000 people to hit the streets and protest the fact that camps aren't being opened here. Uh, but that's for another uh, discussion. But no, I think if those who are involved in domestic affairs and look at it, maybe that is necessary to, to think of, of a meaningful way for people to be able to give expression. The kids have been for 12 weeks locked up. Many of them live in, you know, circumstances where they're, they're in apartment buildings or in houses and many times with multiple children in a family. Right. 
It's a necessity. It's not a luxury. But with that in mind about uh, proper reaction, are you aware that both Jews and Gentiles gathered in solidarity last Sunday to protest against anti-Semitism at the Parliament Square in London in the midst of COVID and all of this? A call to those who went ahead and took to the streets in a proper manner. Well, there have been demonstrations. Jews have been participating. The event in Far Rockaway was uh, really an ideal one in terms of the way it was carried out, and that the leaders of the demonstration, where there was no violence and no looting, no nothing, even though there have been all sorts of predictions, the police were on top of it, the communities worked together, and they thanked the Jewish community. They said, we have to be here. They didn't, and and they thanked them for coming out, yeah. and it, it will have, a, I think, positive resonance. There was a a gathering of, of religious leaders, and um, there were two rabbis, including an Orthodox rabbi. Uh, it was very important because it sends a message that we're not indifferent, and it's also a chance to talk about the anti-Semitism that we've seen manifest in some of these demonstrations, and that they they have to speak out against that as well. Very true. By the way, before we wrap up, I just want to <laughs> – normally I wouldn't make the biggest deal about this, although some might argue that I would – but when I'm not here two weeks from today, I don't, God forbid, want people to think that it's COVID-related. Uh, we will not be speaking two weeks from today, Malcolm. I have to have elbow surgery. Yeah, believe it or not, uh, what do they call it? Elective surgery is, ba- is back in style. So I have to have elbow surgery on the 25th. We will not be speaking on the 26th. I just don't want, God forbid, rumors to start spreading that I'm not here. Is that I- from bumping elbows too often? <laughs> I never you won't that. shake hands. Or- you know, when I had my shoulder surgery, I told everybody it was from uh, bungee jumping. I really think, should think of a creative thing for the elbow. You're right. Uh, but, anyway, so that's the story with that. But we but will... Does, but- uh, is there anything left that you haven't had surgery on? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you, know you don't want to know. I'll tell you, it's insane. Absolutely insane. But thank God. If this is the price I have to pay for a relatively healthy life, I'll, I'll make that exchange with the one above. Absolutely. Rufu Shalema to all the Cholim. We want to see Rufu Shalema and Nicham Avelam to many people, Yudi Munk and David Austin's father, many people who are Nifter. And, you know, because there's no Shiva, people often don't know anymore yeah. about this. By the way, I, uh, I'm i going to mention this. I don't know if I'm 100% accurate, but I know that I'm certainly close to accurate with the story. Uh, our good friend Robert Katz, who you know very well, he lost his mother uh, and is in the midst of Shiva right now. And and he, he reminded me that in the early part of her life, I believe she was nine years old when her parents were taken away, and she roamed the streets of Budapest for two weeks as a nine-year-old child. And then, of course, thank God, decades later, celebrated an amazing family of children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. And I always think it's important to point out how we have gone in so many personal situations, and when we think things are really difficult and bad, we have to remember uh, what, what's coming down the road. It's not the worst time in Jewish life. I think we will come out of this. I think people will have a greater sense of community and appreciation for community. They'll appreciate their shuls, their schools, things that we took for granted. Israel, that we took for granted visiting Israel. You see the Aliyah numbers are going to increase. Um, and I think that a different mindset will set in when, as this lifts. We'll have tremendous challenges, economic challenges. Institutions are going to be marginalized uh, economically and will need more and more support, and that those who are able to like supporting you now have to come out and, and do it and reach a little deeper because of it. And the, uh, but the, you know, there will be strains, but I think we can look to a bright future for our community and for, um, and for our situation globally. Appreciate those words. Thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we will speak, please, God, next week. God willing.
More coming up. It's JM in the AM, and I remind everybody, please, support us. That's it. That's the whole message. Support us. We need you now more than ever, and we have proven, and the numbers bear it out, boy. You need us now more than ever. Let us together continue this amazing pursuit side by side. Support us as best as you can with a generous donation, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And uh, certainly feel free to send in a donation. Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, 551 Grand Street, Suite 3, New York City, 1002. That's Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, 551 Grand Street, Suite 3, New York City, 1002. And I thank you very, very much. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden spiritual leader emeritus congregation summary torah in fairlawn new jersey to address the entire listening audience concerning the torah portion of the week good morning rabbi yudin good morning nachum good Arab shabbos everybody tomorrow we have the privilege of reading parshas ba'aloscha according to the chinuch parshas ba'aloscha contains five mitzvos three positive and two restrictions interestingly Four out of the five mitzvos deal with Pesach Sheni, the Torah providing us with a, quote, makeup or the opportunity for whoever did not, could not participate in the first Pesach. They're given an opportunity to bring the Korban Pesach on the 14th day of the month of Eor in the second month. Think about it. There is no Rosh Hashanah Shani if one missed the shofar, and there's not a Yom Kippur Shani if one could not fast on Yom Kippur. This is the only holiday that has its, quote, makeup. And the Chinuch explains because we are never to forget the significance of Yitzias Mitzrayim, because Yitzias Mitzrayim shows us not simply that he is the great liberator, but Yitzhiyas Mishraim shows us that he indeed is the creator. How so? Because in Mitzrayim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed the Jewish people, the Egyptians, and indeed the entire world, how all of nature is like putty in his hand, namely that he could do with nature as he sees fit. Why? Because he is the creator of this world. Very basic, important, yesod principle upon which our religion stands. Therefore, there is this Pesach Sheni. And finally, the fifth mitzvah in the parasha is that of the Chatzotzros, the horns that were blown by the Kohanim in the Beis HaMikdash, beginning with that which was blown in the Midbar at the time of the Mishkan. But at the Beis HaMikdash, there were the blowing of the horns accompanying the Karbanos Tzibur, the morning Karban Tamid, 
the afternoon daily offering. This was accompanied by the blowing of the horns by the Kohanim. And the Gemara teaches us that there were never less than 21 sounds of the Chatzotzros on any day, including on Shabbos. Just a quick aside, another one of that long list of we had it first would be that it's an accepted protocol throughout the world. A dignitary comes to a foreign land and he, she, will be greeted with a 21-gun salute. You know where that came from. We had it first. I'd like to begin this morning by asking a very basic question. Okay? How many books of the Torah are there? So you're going to say, well, it was just after Shavuos, what we all remember at the end of the Pesach Seder, Echod Miodea, and when we came to Chamisha, five, Chamisha Miodea, what's the significance of the number five? Oh, I know, Chamisha Chumshei Torah, that there are five books of the Torah. And indeed, we call each book of the Torah a Chumish. The word Chumish means a fifth, because indeed there are five books of the Torah. Well, it's always interesting and exciting if we can re-examine and take another look. And the Gemara, at the bottom of Shabbos, page Kuf Tez Vav Amid Beis, the very bottom line, spilling over to Kuf Tev Zayin, the Gemara teaches us, the two verses in this week's parsha familiar to us, of Vahiban Soa Oron and Uvenucho Yomar, the two verses that we recite when we're privileged to take the Torah out of the Ark and after it's read to return it to the Ark, and we recite these two verses. These two verses, which are found in this week's parsha of Baaloscha, says the Gemara, Parsha Zu Baruchu Simonios, God Himself prescribed that there are to be signs milmala ulamata above these two psukim and below bounding these two psukim, separating them in a noteful way from that which precedes and that which follows. What's the reason for this? So Rebbe says in the Gemara Shabbos to teach us that these two verses are a safer Bifne Atzmo, literally a book unto themselves. And so, if you were to ask Rebbe, how many books are there in the Torah? He won't blink. He'll say seven. Where do you get that from? And the answer is that the book of Bamidbar, that which comes before Vahibin Soa, is one book. Vahibin Soa Uvenucho Yomar is a book unto itself. And <clears throat> that which follows these two psukim till the end of the book of Bamidbar is a further book unto itself. Bamidbar is divided into three, and with the four others, Bereshishmos, Vayikra, and Devarim, we have a total of seven. And Rebbe actually 
brings proof to this from the first verse in the ninth chapter of Mishlei, of Proverbs, where the verse concludes, Chotzva Amudeha Shiva, she carved out its seven pillars. To build on this, that, well, if this is a book by itself, take a look in the Klei Yakar, who therefore asks, if this is so, then a Sefer in the Sefer Torah must contain a mitzvah. What might be the mitzvah that's being alluded to in these two psukim of Vahibin Soa? And he answers that the mitzvah is none other than pru uvu. Now, this mitzvah of procreation is so important that it warrants a book unto itself as it enables the continuation of the world. And in addition, he notes that the second verse, Uvenucho Yomar, concludes whereby Moshe and we following in his way invite the Shekhinah to reside among Rivavos Alfei Yisrael. Rivava is 10,000, an Elef is 1,000, 2 times 10,000 is 20,000, 2 times 2,000 is 22, the minimal number necessary to host the Shekhinah. We have to procreate in order to host the Shekhinah. This is Rebbe's take on why these two um, psukim are set unto themselves. Rabbi Shimon Megamliel in the Gemara Shabbos has a different explanation for the fact that they are inverted by these two nuns, the uh, inverted nun, to teach that ein zu mikoma. This is not the proper place for these two verses. Rather, suggests Rabbeinu Bachaya, as the letter Nun in its numerical is 50, where do these two psukim belong? 50 paragraphs earlier in Pasha's Bamidbar, in chapter 2, following verse 17, where the Torah there describes the formation and the order of the traveling of the Jewish nation in the desert. First, we're told about the traveling of Machane Yehuda. Then comes Machane Reuven. In the middle comes the Mishkan. Where the Torah says in the middle comes the Mishkan, the Torah should include as well, because what is the most important part of the Mishkan? Namely, the Oron. So, if it should have been in chapter 2, why is it over here? Explains Rabbi Gamliel to create a buffer between three sins which are enumerated in succession in the Torah. We'll see what the first one is in a moment. The second one is the misoninim. They traveled about having to cover so much territory in one day. Rashi teaches they traveled three days worth. And finally, the Asapsuf, they complained about their diet. Now, had these three sins been presented in a consecutive order, says Rabbi Gamliel, it would have constituted a chazaka, a state of being, 
of Puranus of misfortune. So to spare the Jewish nation any negative consequence, Hashem in His kindness places these two verses here. Indeed, fascinating. When the Mashiach comes, please God, speedily in our days, nothing will change in the Torah except that in the future you're going to get out of Shul in Parshas Bamidbar two minutes later and in Parshas Bahaloscha two minutes earlier because these two verses are going to be moved but nothing will change in the Torah. Now what is the first of these three sins? The Ramban teaches that when the Torah says Vayisu Mehar Hashem the Jewish people left and traveled from the mountain of God so this he counts as the first sin. At first glance what kind of a sin is this? You can argue it's something virtuous. They're following Hashem's instructions. They waited till the Anan, the cloud, ascended, and they started marching to the land of Israel, which is in of itself a mitzvah. The very coming to Eretz Yisrael is a mitzvah. So on the surface, this is only praiseworthy. However, the Ramban notes, they left besimcha, they left with gladness, with almost a sense of relief, ketinok, as a child runs from school, instead of sighing, giving a krechts, and expressing some nostalgic disappointment as to having to move on and proceed to the next mitzvah, they left Harsinai relieved, as they were not getting any more mitzvahs. And this improper mindset is reckoned as a sin for our ancestors. Today, we, who have been locked out of our Bote Knesios due to a pandemic, the likes of which mankind has never witnessed, we are readying to gradually return. It therefore behooves us to learn from the historical past and properly return with the right mindset. As they were judged for their improper exodus, I pray that we will be welcomed on high with our appropriate re-entry. Firstly, we have to appreciate that the Gemara Megillah 29a understands the Pasuk from Yecheskel 11.16 where the Navi says, ma'at. I have been for them a minor sanctuary that our Bate Knesios and our Bate Medrashos, our synagogues and study halls, are endowed with the sanctity of the Mikdash. Both the Rambam, the Rambam in his negative mitzvahs number 65, and the Urayim understand that the biblical mitzvah of Mikdashai Tira'u, which is to have reverence for the sanctuary, is applicable to our Bate Knesios and Bate Midrashos. The mindset must be that just as if two individuals have business to discuss and they're going to meet 20 minutes before Mincha to discuss their matter, it goes without saying that they're not allowed to talk, shop talk, in the Beis HaKnesses even when no minion is going on, just because of the sanctity of the place, all the more so when tefillah is going on it's prohibited to talk in shul. And interesting to note, the Ram, 
the Ramban in his commentary to the end of Bahar, the on the Psukim from Perak Chaf Vav one and two, on the last two verses of Bahar, which he learns as a continuation of the above paragraph, where the Torah is speaking about a Jew who's tragically sold to a non-Jew. And to that person, the Torah gives three, as you'll see in a moment, mitzvos. The Torah warns against idolatry. The Torah says, observe the Shabbos and to revere Hashem's sanctuary. And the Ramban cites the Torah's koanim, that the servant, the Jew, who has been sold, should not say, since my master is an idolater, I'll be one. Since my master is immoral and desecrates Shabbos, so will I. And the Ramban concludes by saying that these three mitzvos are avos. These three mitzvos are primary to connect the servant to tradition and his people. Now the fact that these are labeled as avos highlights the importance of the synagogue and the study hall. When one abstains from idolatry, they don't immediately feel Hashem's presence. So too, by honoring and keeping Shabbos, not everyone is privileged to feel the Shekhinah. However, upon entering the Beis Hamikdash, it was palpable. You knew you were in His presence. The Torah commands that what? Everyone is to come. The more observant, the less observant. Everybody felt it. You knew when you saw the lechem upon him. You saw how beloved you were to Hashem. And the constant remembrance of the Beis Hamikdash to which we have been praying and pining throughout our history is to endow within us the great reverence we feel for the Mikdash. And that reverence is to be palpable by our respect for returning to the Beis HaKnesses. The Gemara in Brachos 8a teaches in the name of Chizda, a person should always enter through two doors in the Beis HaKnesses. And that's based on the Pasuk in Mishle 8, Pasuk 34. Praiseworthy is the person who listens to me to hasten to my doors every day. The use of the plural doors is the source of this teaching. Now the Yushalmi states explicitly that one comes to pray in the shul, they are to enter through two doors. And the Svasemes in the name of Reb Simcha Bunam of Peshischa says that before praying one must pass through two doors. You know what the two doors are? Get out of the earthly rim, close that door behind you, and open the door into the heavenly realm. Only then should one pray. And the ability to close the first door behind, to completely shut off the phone, not to put it on vibrate, to completely disconnect from the workplace, is the first step in re-entering the Beis HaKnesses. And failure to do so is a flagrant violation, if not the literal, then certainly the spirit of the Mikdashi Tira'u, my sanctuary you shall revere, as is understood by the Gemara Yevamos 6b that says one can't go into the Temple Mount with his money belt. As the money belt is clearly demonstrative of his worldly affairs, so too is one's cell phone. And finally, many have shared with thee that these weeks of davening at home have been advantageous in that they've had the ability to daven more slowly, greater kavana, appreciate the davening as a privilege to have a personal encounter with Hashem, 
to realize that as busy as he is running the world with all the complexities, he has time for each and every one. He cares for each and every one. He's personally involved in our lives. If we could begin to focus now on the eventual return to to return to the base HaKnesses in accordance with the medical halachic guidance that has been cautiously and meticulously steering us during these most challenging times, then in contrast to our ancestors of old who did not appropriately leave our Sinai, we in return most reverently and respectfully with great appreciation for our Mikdash Ma'at, please God, we will return. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Shayam and the AM from H volume number three. That's Shalom Aleichem. Brand new H volume number three. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candle lighting 807 here in New York, 807. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. And yes, we do see the comments. So I, I am I am seeing the comments that uh, that you are writing this morning, everybody. Fear not. Even if I don't acknowledge it, believe you me, I see it. Uh, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dogs, Sausage and Deli is the world's best. And right now, there are um, there are many, many people, dads and grads especially, who are standing with their open hot dog buns waiting for that graduation present or Father's Day gift. <laughs> Go to kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code radio. Go to kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with the promo code radio. Simple as that. Uh, also, don't forget our friends at Artscroll. 25% off across the board on everything. Go to artscroll.com or go into your retailer. 25% off on everything. Hey, um, a listener, Cena's been, uh, been on the case on the JM and the AM case. Uh, very best wishes going out to our children, Shoshana and Rabbi Yaakov Gifter of Staten Island, a happy 24th wedding anniversary. To quote a good friend's daughter, Mommy, how did we get here? The answer is we absolutely do not know. We blinked and poof, it's 24 years like that, or so it seems. Thank you 100 times over for all the incredible nachas. You built a beautiful home and raised an amazing family. Now your second generation will learn from and emulate your ways. Newsflash, he has great role models. Wishing you a wonderfully happy day and many more happy anniversaries and good health for 120 with, Mitch, with much love from Ima and Abba. We know them, of course, as Listener Cena and Mr. Listener Cena down in Florida. That's how we know them. Hey, by the way, yesterday Gabe Geller was on, as you know. We had a nice discussion about the uh, brand-new Bartonura cans, the Moscatos available in cans. But it was obvious in the conversation I had never seen one or held one so I was trying to hop, you know, how good of an item is it in terms of a convenience and not wasting wine and, you know, being at a picnic or being, you know, anywhere and, you know, enjoying a, a cold can of, uh, of delicious wine. And so yesterday, uh, my son and I went and we actually purchased a four-pack. And uh, I brought it home. I, I literally checked the fridge this morning <laughs> to see how well chilled it was. It is so cold and so ready to be, to be drunk. That I could tell you. But it's, it's like the perfect size. I don't know the exact thing because it's milliliters and it's uh, – I really should just 
take a look on the web what 750 milliliters is in ounces. Um, but the um, uh, but the in terms of the convenience of the can. Yeah, let's see if we can get an answer. 750 milliliters. Uh, oh come on, you can't do this to me. It says 0.19 gallons. I don't know how to do that. How would I know what that means? Oh, maybe I should say two ounces. Let's see, two ounces. Um, all right, it's uh, now that can't be either, unless maybe it was 250 milliliters. Maybe it was 250. Maybe that's what it was. Anyway, I think it's about seven, eight ounces in the can. And it really is the perfect amount and an amazing way. It, 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 I'm telling you, it it rests in your head so easily. It's perfect size in terms of width and length. And uh, later today or at some point, I will uh, make sure to uh, taste it and to see how it tastes out of the can. But anyway, Bartonura, brand new, beautifully packaged. The four-pack, very enticing. No wonder it's doing so well. A lot of people shop with their eyes, as you know. Uh, anyway, so add that to the long list of great Bartonura items, and the Bartonura Blue family now uh, includes cans, and uh, I'm in the midst of uh, of analyzing the whole thing. So I've seen it now, and I've held it now, and I just have to drink it. Simple as that. And Shabbat Shalom to all of our friends at Bartonura. JM and the AM on a Friday morning broadcast as we continue. And um, I remind you that uh, coming up, it's the Erev Shabbos show at 10 o'clock Eastern time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Harry Rothenberg, who was with us in the 7 o'clock hour, he'll be with us again in the 1 o'clock hour with words about Parshas Baaloscha. Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. And I thank Rabbi Zwickler again for coming on yesterday. Um, Matis has JM Sunday live. It's amazing. He does it live every single week. Matis live with JM Sunday coming up um, Sunday, uh, this coming Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. And then Monday morning we're back here at JM. And now Rabbi Besser, who's author of the brand new book about Rabbi Trank, um, he is going to be my guest Thursday morning. A lot of people are anticipating this interview. Rabbi Yisrael Besser is going to join me uh, via Zoom, so we'll try. Not, not that it always works, so we're not making any guarantees, but we're going to try to do it on Facebook Live also. It's unbelievably frustrating. Yesterday we had the Zoom Live lunch, and congratulations to Team Pollock, who beat Team Wallach in the Avi Fryer contest in the game show. Um, we had the Zoom Live lunch yesterday. We just couldn't get it onto Facebook. It just has a mind of its own. It decides when it wants to and didn't work yesterday. But hopefully this Thursday it will, and Rabbi Besser will be with us either way on the air here at JM and the AM uh, in order to uh, talk about the brand-new book about Rabbi Trank. A lot of people anticipating we are looking forward to it this coming Thursday on JM and the AM. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM.
that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well in. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NahumSegal.com and the NahumSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. I want to remind everybody in the audience, please support our 2020 fundraising campaign and keep JM and the M and the NahumSegal Network going. It really is as simple as that. No matter what the amount, as small or as large, whatever it is that you want to give, we welcome it fjbunity.org 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 and we thank you also feel free to send in your donations foundation for jewish broadcasting 551 grand street suite 3 new york city 1002 551 grand street suite 3 new york city 1002 and we thank you have a fabulous Friday. Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos show coming up at 10 o'clock after Naomi Nachman. Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos music mix coming up uh, this afternoon. Harry Rothenberg, Parshas Baloscha at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Saturday night, Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami. Matis JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern time, Sunday morning. It's unbelievable what we have here at the Nachman Siegel Network. Monday, I'm back starting at 6 a.m. Join us. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Until Monday, Nachman Siegel reminding you. 
Remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.